Welcome back to Bass Edge Radio this January. We're in the Bass Edge studios for our second installment of the radio program this month, episode 152. Megaware Keel Guard, the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector and proud manufacturers of the Flex Step and Sked Guard, brings you another exciting Bass Edge show. Make sure you check out their entire line of products at keelguard.com. I am BASS Elite Pro and co-host Kurt Dove. And of course, we'll be chatting with you today with the founder of Bass Edge, Aaron Martin. Aaron, it's time for us to sec the hook because the fish are biting. Let's start off our listeners with a quick recap of some of those major announcements we made in our last episode. Kurt, I am excited as we are providing listeners with some great avenues to continue and further their education and knowledge about the sport of bass fishing. As a result of listener feedback, we are now producing two episodes of Bass Edge Radio each and every month airing on the 1st and the 15th. Our lineup of sponsors has increased dramatically for 2013 as they include Keelgard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, Legend Boats, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, Rapaholic.com, and are in the process of adding several more. Please consider them when making your next purchase. Our listener question segment just became one of the coolest parts of the show because O'Reilly Auto Parts is awarding a $100 gift card to the lucky listeners whose question is chosen. Bass Edge continues to grow an awesome fan base, and we pass along those rewards right back to our listeners. It's truly a great time to be involved with Bass Edge. Aaron, I personally want to thank you for all the hard work you put into Bass Edge. I know the listeners appreciate your efforts, and we look forward to continued growth for the future. Thanks again for the sponsor's generosity and willingness to support our passion of bass fishing. Speaking of passion, let's get back to hearing more about fishing. Oklahoma BASS elite angler Fred Rumbanis will be chatting with us today about the always popular topic of electronics, as well as attacking those January cold water patterns and swim baiting. We also need to remind Bass Edgers to like the Bass Edge Facebook where they can post their listener questions and stay up to date with the latest information and announcements. If you're not into the Facebook thing, then you can send in your listener questions directly to info at BassEdge.com for your chance to hear your question answered on the show. We are going to be giving out 22 more $100 O'Reilly Auto Park gift cards this year, so don't be left behind. Enough of my chatter, Kurt. Let's put the throttle down and get the party started. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. You know, Kurt, we found ourselves last episode talking with Travis Ruley concerning fishing pressured waters. And I know that's really not the first thing that comes to mind in January because most people, if they don't have ice on their lake, they're trying to figure out how to stay warm. But there are different approaches 
to really targeting bass in the winter. Aaron, that's right. Travis mentioned also about those pressured avenues when you're fishing behind anglers and that no angler is really working their bait the exact same way. And that can have a big impact on catch rates. Specifically in this cold water period, you know, there's really two thought processes of how to approach the techniques. And one is slow, really methodical. The other one is super fast. So we're looking fast baits. We're talking about lipless crankbaits, crankbaits that dive mid-depth that have a super tight wobble. And then on the slow aspect of things, we're talking about throwing plastics, Carolina rigs, or even though we might not be moving our baits too slow, when we're vertical fishing, we're keeping a bait in a strike zone. So making sure that we utilize different techniques, if one's not working, to shift over to the other, but make sure we always focus on maybe one of those two motions, a super fast rate or a super slow rate. Well, Curtin, I think that begs to also further explain fast and slow or reaction or non-reaction is somewhat of a relative term as it pertains to the condition. You know, I keep thinking back to that episode that we did with David Dudley and his 70-30 rule that our job is to get the fish to react to what it is that we're throwing or what it is that we're offering. So in the wintertime, a fast response may be slow rolling a spinnerbait or slow rolling a crankbait and twitching it every once in a while versus you know throwing a jig or a shaky head and letting it soak lying there on the bottom. Couldn't agree more, Aaron. There's definitely a lot of different thought processes to go into fishing in that style. And in this time of year, you'd think it's a one-dimensional time of year because of the cold water, but really there's a lot of avenues that you can attack these fish. I'll tell you what, we've got Fred Rambanis coming on the line right here. Let's talk to Fred about some cold water swim baiting and how he's going to attack his January waterways. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. Kicking off our second episode this January is California native, BASS elite angler. And you know, he won a 2012 PA tournament series this past year in Alabama. And it is Fred Rambanis. Thanks, Fred, for joining us on Bass Edge Radio. Hey, thank you, Kurt. Aaron, it's good to be here. It's a privilege. Well, Fred, you know, I'm always fascinated, almost a little envious of guys that kind of have nicknames, you know. It kind of positions them at a different level, I think, than the rest of us. But, you know, the other thing is there always seems to have a story behind that. And I've got to ask you, how in the world did you come up with the nickname Boom Boom? Actually, I had nothing to do with it, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, Mark Jeffries of the Bass Zone and Harold Allen, the legend. Back in 2007, uh, when I won the major and I came back and won 
another one in 2008. They came up with that name, kind of referencing me to the boxer, Boom Boom Mancini. And uh, <laughs> basically, uh, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. And, and you know, it's Boom Boom, out goes the light. They were saying when I make the top 12 that I was going to win. So that was kind of how the name was originated. Since then, I've made several top 12s without winning, but we'll just go along with that. I'll win when I make the top 12. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no. So, I mean, you know, I've been called a lot worse. So I'm going to go with this. And uh, it's actually done me a lot of good. I've got some signature products out there, rods, bait, with Boom Boom logo on it now. So, and even clothing with bath kings. You're going to have to get your agent to trademark that now. Yeah, well, I've already done I actually did it all myself. I've trademarked. And what's really interesting about it is when you trademark something like that, there's three classes, three major deals that you have to trademark. And one of them is as an entertainer. When I talked to my attorney about it, the outcome was very, um, I guess you'd say gray that I would actually get that because there's also a golfer that goes by Boom Boom. There's, um, you know, you had the boxer, this and that. Well, I got a call back two hours later and said none of them had trademarked it. Wow. So I went ahead and claimed that. I claimed my logo. And then I claimed it for all fishing products uh, relating with the boom boom on it. So, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I've covered my bases, cost me a pretty penny to do it, but it's for protection. Well, and you know, if you ever decide to leave the sport of fishing, that's a uh, probably a pretty universal term. You can take that into other areas of entertainment of which we will not speak about, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Not, remember, we're not talking to ski reefs here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, you, we, we talk quickly about a nickname and, and uh, how things come about, and uh, it just goes to show you know what the business side of fishing is all about and how detailed oriented all professional anglers really need to get on just acquiring nicknames and, and making sure those go out let alone baits and rods and everything else so uh that's good stuff and, and uh fred that's an awesome nickname I'm, I'm glad that worked out for you and uh we'll be hopefully hearing a lot more of boom boom in the future but i know you've got some family members that are pretty savvy with electronics over the course of your fishing career you have come a long way in understanding and how to get the most out of that sonar equipment. If you could pin down, what are the three most important aspects to understanding electronics that are going to make anglers, not just tournament anglers, but us weekend anglers, better fishermen? Electronics now are becoming so simplified to use, and I think that's really helped me a lot. I'm not a electronics guru by any means, but yes, my father-in-law works as a mechanical engineer for Lowrance. So he's helped me out quite a bit over the course of the past few years. But really, if I were to give three important aspects to understand electronics, the first is know what you're looking at. Lowrance has really made it easy by allowing us to have a down scan. They got the side scan option, but now having a down scan, when you put it right next to your sonar. So if you're looking at like what you think might have been fish, and then right next to it, the down scan, and it shows the branches of a tree, there's no miscommunication between you and that sonar, knowing what you're looking at. Having that down scan option, and it's really just a push of a button, that has been one of the greatest uh, over the last couple of years for me. And I use the down scan more than I use the side scan. Side scan is going to pick up any images that are off the side of the boat. Like if you're going down a row of boat docks or something like that, you can actually pick up brush piles or like bridges and, and so forth. It, it gives you, or like going across a point, you're going to be able to pick up rock piles or brush piles that people might have planted. Understanding the down scan is probably the best, I think, innovation that's come out in a long time. So that would be number one. Number two is really just knowing how to um, position your boat on the GPS side of it. Most of us have several electronics on our boat. I actually run four. I have two at the bow and two at the console. You don't need to have that. You can have one at the console and one at the bow. 
because they're split screen options. But by having the capability of adding a waypoint from the bow on a brush pile that you may have just gone over, it'll automatically pick it up on your back sonar. So when you run into your spot, say in the tournament, if you found it in practice from the troll motor, you'll know where to stop ahead of time so you don't just blow over the top of it. So really just understanding the GPS aspect of it is just phenomenal. And then the third would be as another GPS aspect of it is inserting like an avionics chip. The sonars do come now preloaded with the Insight map, and those are pretty good, but really definition comes a lot crisper and cleaner than even one-foot integrations with the Navionics chip. And there's one other little trick that I do find very useful. If you go to the regular page on your Lowrance Electronic, and of course I'm relating to Lowrance because that's what I use, but if you go to the mapping and you zoom in within 20 feet and you push down and hold it as you're zooming it out, it'll actually pull up like a, uh, almost looks like a satellite image of the lake you're fishing. It works extremely well in river systems or even at Amistad or something like that where you live. But before you take your finger off the button, you can go back and forth a little bit as it's zoomed out to like two miles and you can really pick up where each one of the little creek channels turns into off of a major flat or a major point before the lines all kind of fill in the spot. So if you can kind of get used to looking at that, it gives you an idea where to run to and then get into your Navionics and really study that area. But it really shows where drains and break-offs are, where those fish really migrate to and from. And uh, that's helped me so much over the course of the last, you know, five years. Well, last three years mostly. But it's been just a phenomenal way to uh, find fish. Excellent, excellent. Well, as you travel about, you're exposed to a lot of different bodies of water, a lot of different conditions. But specifically here in January, what's your favorite way to kind of attack an impoundment that you might be fishing? And why do you think that that's the best way to catch them. You know, I like it when it gets real cold. You know, the water temperature drops. I like throwing a jerk bait, and I'm a slit, or they've got a new bait called a um, a foxy fry, small jerk bait, and just really letting it pause. You still get the power fishing feel, which I love to do, but it's something that you can suspend and let it sit there for a long time. That seems to work coast to coast in that January month. As the water starts warming up, then you can get your baits moving a little bit faster. But those fish really become dormant, and they don't really want to go out of their way to chase. Uh, Zapu came out with a wicked ball. And this is something that not too many people know about, but you can attach it to your favorite crankbait. There's different sizes. It twists on the back treble hook. And you can make your crankbait now suspend. And I've been playing with this in the last few days, really. And uh, it's amazing how you can turn a crankbait into a suspending crankbait. And it actually darts off to the side with this wicked ball because when the crankbait has its natural action, it'll shift the bait as it's deflecting off cover without ever hitting cover. And that's usually what triggers fish to bite. You can you get it cranking and kill it. It'll jerk off to the side and pause, and then all of a sudden it's like a worm bite. Your line just kind of jumps, and the fish just grabbed it. So that's the wicked ball bite tattoo, and it can work on any of your crankbaits. That sounds pretty cool. Fred, when, when you're yeah. taking these lures that you're talking about and you're applying them, in January right now, where is it that water's cold? Are you looking on main lake points? Are you looking offshore at ledges? Are you headed to the backs of the creeks? Is there a specific bottom contour you're looking for, rock or wood? What is it when you hit the lake and you're using your electronics like we were talking about earlier that you're going to first you know this is where Fred Rambenis says look it's January the water temperatures 45 degrees this is where I'm gonna go try and catch him what's that place for you I actually look even more so than looking at my electronics, I look at the landscape. I'm looking for a sharp V or a drain where when it does rain, there's, you know, it's basically just a, a runoff area. And I'm looking for that major creek channel. It's got pretty deep banks to it. And now if I find boat docks along those banks, those are the areas I key. And it's not necessarily off a point or necessarily all the way in the back of the creek or anything like that. I'm usually going just about mid-depth in that creek. And I'm looking somewhere around that area. 
trying to keep the angle of the bank in mind. I like a steeper than a 45-degree angle bank at this time, but really just a sharp cutoff. And it could be 60 feet of water underneath me. I want something real deep because that's going to hold those big fish and a lot of the bait fish. Out here, we got a lot of gizzards, Chad, and they really like those kind of areas. What about wind, Fred? Are you looking for wind at all? Are you running from it, or do you want wind coming in on the back? <laughs> you know, in the wintertime, I particularly like to stay away from the wind because it's so dang cold for me. For the rest of the time of the year, I- I'm always chasing the wind, and I'm always looking for that wind because it really gets the oxygen going, it gets bait stirred up, it gets a lot of things going. But in the wintertime, if I'm miserable, I'm just not fishing good. So it's more for myself, I think, than anything. And so I'm looking for those higher banks and those out-of-the-way protected areas. And uh, I just really slow down and fish. Now it's time to look at your grass, though. Make sure you're actually fishing where there is fish. So, I mean... If I'm comfortable, I'm going to catch more fish. Gotcha. So you're talking about some of these areas that you're going to run to first. You know, you're going to launch the boat or look at a lake that you're walking around the bank on and, and try and find some of these deeper areas that you were talking about because, you know, you feel like that's where your big fish can be located. Let's say you fish in those areas. You know, maybe you give it an hour, two hours or so, and, and you're not getting any bites, okay? Where's the next spot you're going to go check out? You know, the reason I like those deeper banks is because, there's you know, you can go from shallow to deep. The next thing that I will look for is actually, and it really has to do with the day. If you start off those nights where it's like in the 30s or whatever, and it starts warming up and it gradually warms up. Well, even though it's wintertime, those fish, they will kind of migrate to a flatter area. So if that's not working, then I might go look for maybe a flatter bank that's got deep water real close by. But that'd be more of an afternoon deal just to see if some of those fish might move up with that sun. Right. You think maybe, too, even though it feels better for you when you're in that less windier condition, that's going to warm the water up quickly. And, you know, maybe just a couple degrees will, will help warm those fish up, too, and get them a little more active. It does. And there's actually one other little scenario that happens, too. So you get some really cold nights, but the water hasn't quite dropped. You get a lot of fog. I've had some days where a buzzbait or a frog in January have caught bass. Just working it really slow. You go to like a plastic prop instead of a metal prop, something that you can just really crawl on the surface. And I've actually caught some topwater fish. So, I mean, it's uh, definitely if it's slicker. And if you get that, that fog, what it does is it kind of insulates everything, so it, you're kind of sitting in a, a whole different <laughs> situation. But obviously navigation and everything in the fog is not something I highly recommend. So if you can find a launch ramp in a creek or a cove that you plan on fishing, that would be my best suggestion in a situation <laughs> like that. But I think if it's calmer, you know the water's going to stay a little warmer. Cool. Good deal. Well, i tell you what, Fred, if we can get you to hold the line, I'd like to take a short break and bring you back to discuss fishing some wintertime swim baits and answer a listener question for us. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a super start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every super start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, super start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. We're on Bass Edge Radio, and this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. Fred, you are known as a swim bait fisherman, and I remember you reeling in some giant bass on TV when the elites were down at Kurt's Neck of the Woods, Lake Amistad, several years ago. What are some swim bait techniques that work well 
in these cold water winter months of the year? Well, you know, the big thing that's really hit us hard the last year is that Alabama rig, and, and it's a multiple of swim baits. But, you know, in the Elite Series, that is something that we're not allowed to throw. So uh, if you were to take that out of the equation, because that's definitely the best thing that I could possibly suggest is to throw a schoolie rig. I use the one by Picasso, but I actually prefer the little double diamond uh, and swim baits on the back of it. But if you're in a situation and, and that's not an option for you, I like to use something that just you can reel, real slow. And I really wouldn't pick the swim bait up until noon on and just get those fish a little bit more active in the wintertime. And um, I'm using like an optimum 5-inch BLT. And uh, in the nose, you can see the line through and apply a treble hook. And I just switch it off to like a Gamagatsu size 2 treble hook on the bottom. And uh, just slowly creep it along the edge of those docks. And uh, that's the idea. You want to hold your rod kind of up at about 11 o'clock and reel it with a little bit of slack in your line. You don't want to reel it to where you're just pulling it straight, tight line. Because that slack is going to be not only letting you know you're working the bait slow enough to get bit, but also a strike indicator for you. You'll see it jump a couple times. And that's usually them just crunching it. So really just a slow swim bait or a big group of swim baits that you can fire out there and, and reel in a in mid-water column. Those fish are really suspended. It's just a matter of getting one to strike and make multiple casts in the same area. Those fish will eventually key in on it and grab it. What about as far as uh, line that you're throwing the single swim bait application on? Is that a big factor? You know, that's a very, very good question. I like to keep that swim bait down just a little bit, but I want it to keep going slow. So I'll go with a 20-pound fluorocarbon. I use the P-line, 100% fluorocarbon. It's very invisible, but it's got the weight to it that allows that bait to get down in the strike zone where you need to be. So I really stick with that 20 pounds. Fred, you see a lot of these soft swim baits on the market and you hear a lot of talk about those and then you hear about, you know, some of the hard bait swim baits that are on the market and we know those catch a lot of big fish, especially where you're coming, you know, where you're native in California. That's kind of where that hard swim bait thing got started. What what are the differences between a cold water application or wintertime fishing that you'll find between a, a soft plastic swim bait versus a hard swim bait? Is there one that's better than the other? Yeah. You know, that's a really, really good question. At Amistad, for instance, that first year, I actually got on a hard bait swim bait. It was one of those 22nd century triple trout, but it was in a, it was in a shad color. And I was catching fish on that, but it had to be really, really windy. And, um, you know, that was more something that was a little bit faster moving bait. And I was killing it. It would completely pop a 360 on you. I mean, it would turn back around. And, I mean, it was just a phenomenal bait when the conditions were right for it. The rest of the time, that slow-moving swim bait, similar to that optimum DLT I was talking about is when I would throw that just slick conditions, go with the soft bait, more windy, harsh conditions, go with the hard bait. So it sounds like that hard bait's going to give us more of that reaction bite if, if that's, that's the type of technique we're looking for. Yeah, exactly. And it's something you can just fire out. You don't have to re-rig or anything like that on a constant. You know, you just keep casting and let it go. But yeah, definitely. Those are the situations that I'd go from a hard to a soft bait. Well, that's critical in this cold water because, you know, we're always going to have to be changing up from slow to fast. So uh, great swim bait tips there. Fred, you've been living in Oklahoma for the last several years, and you know how Grand Lake's probably going to be fishing in the 2013 Classic. And, uh, you know, that's coming up here shortly. We're already in January, so we're a month out. Knowing many of the anglers that are fishing the classic that's coming up. Who is your classic favorite next month at Grand Lake and why? There's a couple guys that I would like to kind of throw out there. You know, I, I'm going to say you, you got to go with Jason Christie. Now, I know he hasn't been known on the Bassmaster Tour. He did win two Opens this year, but he's an FLW. But most importantly, he's a guy that grew up fishing Grand Lake. He has fished this lake for so many years and won so many BFLs and so many local and regional tournaments on Grand Lake. He's got more history. And the thing about Grand Lake is it's not just one spot somebody's going to find the mother load. Even in the wintertime when fish really group up, it's a lake where it's a pattern deal. 
And uh, a guy like Jason, because this is something that I've learned over the course of the last five years fishing Grand Lake, which I'm really upset I didn't make the classic, but I would still fear this guy because he knows how those fish set up throughout the day. I'm going to tell you straight up, there is a big fish under every dock at Grand Lake. You can run by every dock and never get a bite unless you know the exact angle to make on that fish. On each one of those docks has a certain cable that runs down or a certain brush pile somewhere planted. You know, there's just something about each spot, literally each 10 yards. And a guy like Jason Christie has got so much experience on it, like, it's going to make the light cast all day long. No waste of time. The classic, it's one of those tournaments where your day seems really short because there's a lot of other stuff that goes on, traveling back to the convention, everything else. He's going to be hard to beat. The other guy, and it's basically going off what I'm saying, I'm going to say watch Mike Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli is a guy that can go out, figure out a deal. And, you know, finesse fishing is something that's kind of untouched at lake because it's such a good power fishing lake and such a good jig lake. Iaconelli is a shaky head master. That works awesome there, and it's really untapped. But more so than even that, he might figure out a deal where they're relating on a certain algae on a cable and knows what cast to make for that. Or another guy may overlook that, and he's just going to run straight to each one of those and never waste time. So it's a guy that knows what kind of pattern to figure out and run with it without wasting time. That's going to be the guy that wins this tournament. It sounds like you've got the tale of the typical tournament. You've got the home lake guy. Can he avoid the jinx that so many people go through, that home lake jinx? Or, uh, you know, bringing in 54 of the other best anglers in the world to uh, kind of knock it down. But, of course, you got other home lake guys there. It'll be interesting how Biffle does, obviously, and, and McClellan and uh, Edwin Evers. A lot of guys living in, in that section of the country. Man, Oklahoma's got some dang good fishermen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there, it's going to be it's going to be tight no matter what happens. You know, any of those guys are very capable of winning this event. And uh, once they figure out the deal, you're going to see a lot of guys right there. The weights are going to be, I think, pretty tight. You know, I know McClellan came out here and whooped everybody when we all fished here the first time. But, um, you know, he had a lot of knowledge of that deep jig bite where other guys totally overlooked because it's such a good lake to catch fish. It's, it, in my opinion, one of the best natural lakes, you know, north of the 40 anyway, um, just for catching solid quality all day long. Like, uh, we just had that fish and chips tournament there a few weeks back, and I went out and caught 19 pounds, and we ended up second overall. But, you know, it's just one of those deals that there's so many three-and-a-half to four-pound fish in this lake. And then and then I've also watched it last year where it took 28 pounds. Now, these are local, you know, guys that fish it all the time, and they're allowed to throw the Alabama rig. If we were to throw that mix in the Classic, I would say the records would be broke. But since that's not an option, <laughs> I think it's going to be a guy that really can figure out a certain pattern and go with it. Well, I think the cool thing about this particular uh, event that's going to be played on a national scale, it's going to give all of our Bass Edge listeners a chance to check out this tournament on a empowerment that is more north than we've ever seen, you know, such a, a media style of event. And uh, we're going to learn a lot for, about fishing by following this particular tournament. So uh, I look forward to it. But I tell you what, Fred, it's time for our O'Reilly Art of Parts, the professional parts people listener question. This question comes from over here in my neck of the woods, actually. Rick Harris out of Midland, Texas asks, over the years, I've used all kinds of brands of tackle. I've found the brands and baits I like and don't like. Should I stick with the brands I like or keep trying out new ones to improve my fishing? Thanks for all you do at Bass Edge. And again, that question is from Rick in Midland, Texas. Uh, Rick, that is a very good question. We're always trying to come out with 
something better than what's been out there. But, you know, confidence is really the biggest thing in bass fishing. If, you, if you're throwing a bait that you've got confidence in, 100% confidence, you're going to catch more fish. However, when a new thing comes out, and I've seen it, and, and I know Kurt's seen it, and Aaron's seen it, when the chatterbait came out, for instance, I think I got one of the first ones, and I, and I just looked at it and said, there's no way this is, this is the goofiest thing I've ever seen. And it turned out to be an absolute tournament-devastating winning bait for a while. I mean, it was, it changed the game. I know the buzz bait's done it, and I've seen the Alabama rig do it this, you know, last year, but you want to stay up with innovation. You also want to keep some of that stuff that's always worked for you. That's your confidence. That's your go-to stuff. I'd say that should be your B plan. Your A plan should be trying to figure out how you can get those bigger bites, maybe with something new, but always keep that B plan with products that you're familiar with. Well, congratulations to Rick for having his question chosen for this episode. Bass Edge will be sending you a $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Bass Edgers, remember, send in your your listener questions to Bass Edge Radio either through email via support at BassEdge.com or post your questions on Bass Edge Facebook page so you too will have a chance to hear your question on the show and win a $100 gift card from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey Fred, appreciate you being here. I got another quick question. Your son Jackson, you know, he's getting to be old enough to do some fishing with you. And uh, just so, you know, all those kids out there can hear what the professional angler's child's favorite lure is. What, what's Jackson's favorite bait? You know, he's caught, he's caught several fish on a frog, but I'll tell you, I think his favorite bait is swim bait because back at um, Smith Mountain Lake a few years ago when Skeet won on a swim bait, I had a crowd of people around my boat and I was doing some autograph signing. and he stands on my boat. And I mean, he's like three years old at the time. He's five and a half now. He says, Dad, why didn't you throw a swim bait? And I just, everyone laughed and I just looked at him like, wow, did he really just say that? <laughs> he knew he just wanted a swim bait. So I'm going to say a swim bait is probably his favorite bait. Um, he's caught in fish on the new OptiShad. Uh, his biggest bass is actually a six-pounder in our pond on the uh, new Optimum OptiShad on a uh, one of my new eight-ounce swim jig heads from pepper custom bait so it seems apparent the the apple does not fall very far from the tree in that regard <laughs> well you're gonna have to uh make sure you've always got a swim bait tied on you know which i'm sure you do that's the great thing about kids they they leave nothing to guess they're just going to tell you like it is and tell you what's on their mind fred hey we appreciate you hanging out with us this month and and really bringing more fishing knowledge to bass edge radio any uh closing thoughts or comments well, you know, I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, not only for us pro anglers, but for fans out there. You know, um, this is a great opportunity for guys to learn new ways of fishing and insight from the pros. So thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Kurt, for having me. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you. Well, it's certainly our pleasure, and, and Fred, thank you for being on the show today. Stay tuned, everybody, as Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. 
Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. Aaron, a couple of interesting points Fred brings up about line choice. You know, he was talking about throwing that 20-pound fluorocarbon for a swim bait. You know, he's wanting to utilize that fluorocarbon line that sinks so that it enables the lure to get down into the correct depth zone that he's looking for. That way he can actually manage a little bit better where his lure is going to be. There's a lot of interesting aspects going on with a particular line size and a particular lure that we're using. Well, Kurt, I second that, and I think, you know, over the course of years, certainly with my personal fishing, but just in fishing in general, I think line has become much more of a focal point and really starting to give consideration to what line is needed for the application and why. I think that is the ultimate question. You know, I know uh, throwing on a spinning reel, for instance, I use braid uh, now with uh, attaching a fluorocarbon leader. Uh, It's only because when I'm fishing really, really deep on drop shotting, I want to be able to feel that sensitive any time a fish basically breathes. You know, and I go back to what Marcus Sakura said when he was throwing that jerk bait. His preference is going to be monofilament using an 8 to 10 pound line. Yeah, there is no longer the issue of one line fits all, is there? It's uh, it's unbelievable all the different types of lines that we can utilize to really improve our fishing prowess. You, you've got to be able to utilize those different lines in the right situation. So one thing that I would say, even in my guiding here at Lake Amistad, you know, a lot of people ask me prior to a fishing trip, you know, what kind of techniques are we going to be using? What kind of line sizes are we going to be using? Anglers need to really think about that before they go fishing. Because the worst thing in the world is getting to the lake and not being prepared for the techniques and the conditions that you're going to be faced with. Absolutely. And how many times, Kurt, have you seen it? You've had somebody in the back of your boat and perhaps you're catching them, they're not, or vice versa. You know, you're you're out on a, a weekend fun fishing trip and your buddy's with you and he's spanking you out of the back of the boat. You guys are throwing the exact same lures. You're throwing to the exact same type of structure. But something as subtle as the type of line or the size of line, that pays huge dividends to really pay attention to what's going on. You're exactly right. It's no longer spool it up and go to the lake. You better have a couple of extra spools of line of different types of line in your tackle pack so that when you need to make that adjustment, you're prepared. No doubt, no doubt. And, um, you know, I just, I think that's something that here at Bass Edge, you're going to hear more about line choice because it plays such a vital role. After all, you know, think about it. It's the only connection between you and the fish, and you want to make sure that you control the things that you can control, and certainly line choice is one of those. Kurt, unfortunately, we are out of time. Hard to believe, but for episode 152 and what we like to call the new and improved version of Bass Edge Radio, I am Aaron Martin. For Kurt Dove, we are out of here. Until next time, everybody, have a great week. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com.
And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.